for joining Time Out with PSOA, where sports officials share their stories to help recruit, train, educate not only sports officials, but players, coaches, administrators, and fans. Through this information, we're going to help make us all better for the game. Welcome to Time Out with PSOA. Today's main topic is how do you study rules as a sports official? We have a guest today, dear friend of mine, Tim Cordell, former professional baseball umpire, current NCAA Division I umpire, owner and creator of umpapp.com, and also the director of video training of CBUA. So, Tim, thank you for taking time out with PSOA today. Going back to UMPAP, what was your motivation to create UMPAP? Yeah, so it was, um, it, it kind of just happened on accident. Um, I had taken a job in the tech industry on, on just, uh, just, it was a fluke deal. I had a friend that worked for a tech company. Uh, the company that I was working at was sold to, uh, to a, a group and they pretty much kind of just restructured everything. So I was looking for something to do in my, uh, in my mid forties and, uh, took a job at that tech company. And that was pretty much the way that they, um, lined out policies, procedures, how they wanted us to speak to customers, product knowledge, everything about the job we learned, uh, through what's called an LMS or learning management system. Now an LMS isn't, um, it isn't new to the business industry. It's been around for a long time. Um, but the whole thought was why couldn't we take the information, uh, that we give to sports officials and streamline that process to make sure everybody gets the same information in the same cadence in the same kind of presentation to make sure that we standardize the way that, that umpires act. So think about it previously. Um, when you and I came up through umpiring, uh, we were trained by somebody probably locally, but then what happens in a pocket to, you know, a hundred miles to the left of us? Well, they do it a little bit different. Then you go another hundred miles. They do it a little bit different. So the whole idea is now that that uh, amateur sports is becoming so just uh, all encompassing across the United States. And, and sometimes they leave the United States to play these sports. It's how do we make every group of officials act in a standardized way? You know, much like Chick-fil-A or Home Depot or Walmart. The beauty of those businesses is if you go to California, Chick-fil-A looks the same as it does in Omaha and the same as it does in Kansas. So if those businesses had figured that that blueprint out, why couldn't we apply it to the officiating world and try to come up with a standardized process? So that was kind of the thought behind it. That's awesome. You know, the the great thing about this podcast, we try to connect sports officiating um, to life. So if you're listening to this podcast and you'd like some more information on learning management systems, sounds like Tim Cordell is going to be your guy. Um, Coming back to – Sports officiating, you know, we're going to focus on rules, um, and rules knowledge is so important for success. So topic number one, somebody who's just starting sports officiating, so they're not registering with the state, they're not at the college level, um, go back to when you first started. How in the world does a new official get their hands on a rule book, case book, mechanics manual, and why should they go get their hands on one. Well, and, it, and it's like we, we spoke about, you know, in the previous question, it's about streamlining that process and about setting somebody up for success. So 
if you think about this, if you're a person who owns a business, let's say you own a manufacturing business, and I compare manufacturing to officiating a lot because it, it requires a certain amount of intellectual property to do that job and to do it effectively, right? So if you don't know exactly what's expected of you and you don't dig in and you don't figure out how to kind of do this job to the best of your ability, to the, to the best standard you can find, what you're going to do is give those people or your employer or the people you're officiating for, you're going to give them what you think is right. And, and, and truthfully, and you're, you're doing it, you know, because you don't know any better, right? So if you don't act in a, a standardized way, then people who are around this sport a lot, you will stick out like a sore thumb. And when you stick out like a sore thumb, they tend to pick on you more and they tend to say more to you. And they tend to, um, I would say, take their aggression and point it towards you, whether that's right or wrong, they will do that. So if you're a new official, you know, you can find if you're working leagues that that work off the MLB rule book, you can get that online. You just Google MLB uh, rule book 2022 or 23 or whatever. It'll pop up in a PDF. You'll have that. Um, you can find manuals and things like that. Um you know, obviously the CCA manual is probably the gold standard on how to run two man, three man, four man. You can go just Google CCA manual and you can purchase that. So there, there are tools out there. Um, if you don't educate yourself and you don't kind of get into how to do this job to the best of your ability, the way that people want you to do it, what, and I'll bring it back to manufacturing, what will happen is if somebody is running a manufacturing company and they have invested in recruiting and hiring and getting these people in house. And then if these people have a bad experience because they don't prepare themselves and they quit within a week or two weeks, that's even worse than not having them at all. Because now you have an investment wrapped up in these people and you're not gonna recoup that investment. So the worst thing can happen for a business owner, somebody that runs a league or runs a, a high school association or whatever that is, is to spend you know resources getting these people and then never recoup the investment. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I did this last year with PSOA. Every new umpire that joined our group last, last year, um, our, our group invested into ump app for exactly what Tim just said there. Yeah. And, and let me, let me take it a step further with that. And that's, that's a good segue to why not just grab a rule book and start reading. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, here's the problem is that is not really functional knowledge. It's kind of a dead document, as I would call it. It is words on a page to where you have to read it, and then you have to go, okay, what are they talking about? But when you have a tool like UmpApp, or you have the tools that like the CBUA has put with their umpires, it comes with video examples that breaks down every aspect of a play. And you might have a play that has a rule application, but then you have to be in the right spot. You have to absolutely know what you're looking for, and you have to kind of know how this thing plays out. Like the problem with a, a CCA manual that will tell people where to go and stand, the problem with that with a new umpire or official is it will tell you where to go, but it doesn't necessarily tell you what to do once you get there, which that could be dangerous, right? So I think it's it's a combination of a bunch of different things. You know, if you have video examples and, and if you if you take statistics around video-based learning, if you read uh, much like I read when I was a kid or you, Sean, when you read when you were a kid, if you take the retention rate for readers that do it the traditional way, it's about, I don't know, 10 to 18 percent. If you get into video based learning, your statistics go up to 50, 60, 70, 80 percent retention. 
and you can go back and look at these things and they make sense and they tell you why and what you're looking for. So there's a lot of ways to do it. I think the industry itself has been so um, kind of stuck in concrete for so long. It amazed me when I got back into amateur sports. Um, it amazed me that we still train people the same way, even though all these technology advances and all these advances in the way to do things have, have come about in the past 50 years. You know, I've been doing it for probably 40 so let's just say the last 40 years, all these things have boomed technology wise, but yet we still do it the same way like that. That was just mind boggling to me. You know, and you talk about retention rate. You know, if you go to umpapp.com, the material on there, it, it's it could overwhelm a new sports official. Like, I would agree. Yes. Whoa, I didn't know there was this much involved in running a, a baseball and softball game. How? How do you encourage a sports official that's just throwing a bunch of information? What's the best process for them to learn it, to get that retention yeah, rate? So, and, and that's a, that's a great question. So when we first put it out, um, and we've been through three or four versions. I mean, we've been in business over three years, I think coming up on four. When we first put it out, it was a fire hose of information just – and the feedback I was getting for the the umpires that I built it for was like, man, this is like, I don't even know where to start. So we, we sat back and looked and I go, okay, if you're 15 years old and you played baseball and you get plucked out of a high school program and you say, Hey, I want to umpire. I want to make extra money. The, what do you need to know? What are the 10 things they absolutely need to know that they can go out there, work some games and kind of get a little idea. Okay. I, now I kind of know what's going on. Now let me tick, you know, tackle 10 other things. And then now let me tackle 10 other things once these things start making sense. So if you take the app itself and you just push every video on a brand new official, it's overwhelming. So what we did was we created a section. Like I said, what are 10 things we need to know? What are 20 things? What are, I think we're up to 54 videos for a beginning umpire and they average about a minute and a half. And it's everything from like, what are my jobs? How do I lead? How do I get people to quit screaming at each other? How do I you know, do this procedure wise. How do I start a game? How do I get it going? How do I keep it going? What happens when this rule comes up? What happens? And it gives them a foundation and a test at the end to say, okay, now I can tell that that this person gets this, that it's functional knowledge. And then once you get through that beginner point and you start working games, then you can start getting into sections, you know? So we have a section that that is pretty high level about taking plays at the plate where if you're a new official and I start giving you all these keys and reads, it's not going to make sense to you because you've never done it. But once you start umpiring a little bit and you start taking plays at the plate and then you go, okay, why would I go here? Why didn't I go here? What am I looking for? Things like that. So the app takes somebody who's, who's brand new and it makes them functional. It takes somebody who's functional and makes them good. And it takes somebody who's good and, and it gives them really high level stuff. So there's stuff on that app that we teach at college clinics that's taught at professional clinics all the way down to if you got a 15 year old kid that just wants to get started and, and thinks he might be good at it. How do we do that? Perfect. Awesome. Now going into the, the topic number three here, what do you feel is the importance? We have UMPAP third year of business and we have an umpire, Jason Ford did the course last year. You're yes. going to release new stuff this year. And come 2024, there's going to even be more stuff. What is it to encourage that sports official to continue to review the material and continue just learning more and going back? Sure. 
And, and, and that's kind of been a tricky question for a long time. So when we took over um, the Kansas City market for uh, youth league umpiring, um, our group took it over. We divided our, our roster into three groups. Uh, the high level umpire, which I don't care what you do to try to slow them down. You can't slow them down like they're going to excel the middle of the pack person and then the bottom third. And we wanted to say, OK, how do we get the bottom third to get to the middle, the middle to get to the top and the top to move out of our organization because they're just too good and they need to go to a higher level? How do we incentivize that? I think it comes down to the way that you bring people into your organization. So when we brought people in, there were people that were like, I don't want to do this. I'll never do this, blah, blah, blah. And those were the bottom third guys. We had the ones in the middle that were like, man, I want to get better, but I don't know if this is the right route. Like, And then we had the top tier guys. It was getting the top tier guys to buy in. It was getting the middle guys to understand that there's a path to move forward in this to where you can make more money because I've yet to see somebody come out and enjoy this so much that they wouldn't take a paycheck. Like I just haven't seen it yet. So if they show up, it's about making money, right? So how do I get you better so you can go make more money and make more of an impact in this game? And if you stay in the bottom third for an extended period of time, you're not the right person. And I don't care if you've been doing it for 30 years. And I hear guys all the time, well, I've done this for 30 years. Well, it doesn't mean you're any good at it. Like I can pick up cards at a casino today and start playing poker. It doesn't mean I'm Phil Hellmuth. I mean, it just means I have the ability to do it. We want to get away from bringing people into the organization that we feel like we can't push to higher ranks. Now, that's easier said than done because it's a simple numbers game, right? It's supply and demand. But if we know the competencies we're looking for and the type of person we're looking for, then we just need to bring more people in, get them trained on systems like this and be able to set them up for success so they enjoy it. So they will keep going. The problem with officials is this. And I always tell a story about uh, my stepbrother and I were the same age and we were 12 years old. And we're like, hey, we're going to go umpire. We're gonna, this guy's like, hey, it's a great job. Hey, I'm, I'm all in. So we showed up the first day and instead of giving us a mentor, giving us any kind of training, they put us together, neither one of us knowing what we're doing and put us on a game and they started screaming at us and they probably should have screamed at us. We, we weren't very good at it. Um, I screamed back and he never showed up again. But how many kids or people or young people or young as experience goes that we bring into this industry that we set up to fail and we lose that would have stuck it out and probably been pretty good about it if we could have just given them anything. So that you, you nailed on so many good points, main points. Um, and, and we'll touch on some of the things that he just said for assigners, supervisors, coaches, fans, and players at, at the very end of <clears throat> how you can use this ump app um, for the whole environment of youth sports to be more positive. Well, we're in the bottom of the ninth inning here, Tim. Got a couple questions here for you. Um, <clears throat> question number one, how does an official get connected to UMPAP? So they're listening to you. That, yes, this is great. How the heck do they sign up and get, get into the course? Yeah, so like I said, we're an LMS, um, a learning management system. So it does have an app component, but it's run through a website. The reason that's important is um, right now I am on a laptop or desktop, but when I'm at the ballpark, I don't have that device with me or maybe don't have the access to it or whatever. So we wanted to make sure that it had an app component to it 
So if somebody is brand new or let's say they're working five games that day and something comes up between game one and two that they could go look it up. So if you go to our, uh, our website, www.ump-app.com, you can sign up for the service and then download the app. And right away, you can start watching videos and learning. Um, it's self-paced and you can do it from anywhere. So if you want to jump around on the course and you have things that pique your interest a little more than maybe others, uh, you can jump around on it. It's got a search engine and organizations that use it, such as P uh, PSOA, excuse me, um, you can speak to that, have the ability to go in and say, hey, are these guys even looking at this? How much time do they spend on it? So anybody inside our system, I literally can go to the system right now. I can tell you who's actively on it. I can tell you what they logged in on. Uh, we have a guy that does it through an Xbox. I didn't even know you could do that, right? So I can tell who's on the system. I can tell what they're looking at. We can push people to certain topics. Um, and it it's not designed to replace the Sean Johnstons of the world. It's designed to give you better tools so you can recruit and turn people around and make them functional with this job better. This is one of the few jobs that if you can't figure out how to navigate it, like it will get dirty real quick and you won't show back up. Like if you go to a manufacturing company and you can't figure out how to work a machine, the machine doesn't start screaming back at you. Unfortunately, in our industry, that's kind of the, the nature of the beast. So if you can use something like this to set people up for that success and you can do it on your own time when you uh, crave information, then that's the way to go. Now, certain people who are, um, I wouldn't say against this idea, but they're like, well, there's all kind of stuff out there. I can go learn somewhere else for free. OK, yeah, you can. How do you even know it's credible? I mean, you don't. We can tell you it is like this is what I do for a living. And we we do a bunch of different people. This is a collaborative effort to where, you know, uh, guys who are in the big leagues who were with me in the minor leagues. I bounce things off them all the time. We proof the videos. We say, hey, should we say it this way as opposed to this way? Because something that makes sense to a guy who's a big league umpire or somebody that works in D1 baseball um, you might give it to somebody who's brand new and it might not make sense to them because it comes so easy for you or you've been doing it for so long. Maybe you forgot what it was like to, hey, uh, this kid's mom's behind the fence screaming at me. Like, how do I get this to stop? Excellent. You know, I just went to Ump App, U-M-P hyphen A-P-P. Dot com. Dot com. Pull it right up. Um you have a course catalog here. You got baseball coach, you got baseball umpire, softball coach, softball umpire. So this isn't just for sports officials. This is for coaches as well. Um, if our, we train everybody on the same information, we spend more time playing games than grinding games to a halt to argue because nobody knows the rules. <laughs> and it's funny. I just wrote an article for Referee Magazine. It's, it's actually in this current edition on the back page. And – the, the whole point of emphasis on the article is that I feel like parents are too involved with youth sports. And I feel like they do not allow the coaches to do their job. They don't allow people to flourish in this environment because they try to micromanage it so much. I can't tell you how many times a game has been grinded to a halt because the coach maybe knows the rule, maybe they don't. They feel like they're being slighted, but they can't really prove it. But then the umpire really doesn't know the rule either, but just knows just enough to be dangerous and then all of a sudden it's a powder keg and it explodes. If you have the rules, knowledge of the coaches and the umpires, then the umpires can umpire, the coaches can coach, and they can play the games who are on time limits. These games are on time limits. They're not endless time. Like, let's spend more time playing than arguing. 
And the whole article was was basically like, hey, you know, you have a choice to make as a parent and a coach. You can do this in a positive manner and you can allow your young athlete to flourish uh, or you can get involved in something that you have no idea or you're not a subject subject matter expert, but you're somebody who's emotionally involved and you can't control your emotions. And I've never seen a game in 30 plus years in this industry be stopped because two kids couldn't get along. I've never seen it. It's always the parents every time. Amen. Are, are you looking at any other sports? We are looking, but we're we're so hyper focused on the baseball side of it and improving the softball side. I think we need to get that that part right first, and then we're going to look to branch out because the idea isn't a baseball idea and it's not a softball idea. It's a industry idea, and I feel like the more um, high level conversations you can have and the more information we can pass on to people, which now we have an avenue to do that. I feel like the industry is is set up for unparalleled success in the future. But if we don't make that change and we don't share information and we don't attempt to make the coaches, the parents and the, the officials better, man, I'd, I'd be scared to see where this industry goes. Well, hopefully we don't have to see where that that where the uh, I'm hoping goes. for. Yes, I'm open for that. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to share a little story here. I'm, I'm not sure if Tim even remembers this story, but. The first time I, I believe I, I met Tim Cordell, um, it was my first MIAA postseason game. And uh, going down, traveling with my wife um, for, at that time, the biggest assignment of, of my career. And it was at Central Missouri. And first pitch, I think I called a strike halfway to home plate, called me out on that a little bit. But as an umpire who's been a professional umpire, when you're working with "quote unquote" a new umpire um, that you have not worked with before, what is it that you are expecting as a crew chief for that new umpire to know going into that game? Like, what is the expectation of rules knowledge, game yeah. management? Yeah. So, so anybody um, such as yourself that receives an assignment like that, you did it on the merit of what you've done up until that point. So what I want umpires to do is be who they are that got them there. Anything else that comes up, we can fix as a crew, right? As a crew chief, you can take care of your young guys and you can make sure that they have enough of a positive experience that they can impact the generation coming behind them and so on and so on and so on. So what I look for is is a guy to come in and be himself and do what you did to get there and then anything that comes up past that point, we as a crew need to take care of the new guy. Um, what people don't realize is this. There are plenty of umpires who have been umpiring in whatever league who have been there forever, and they can be terrible, but they're the devil the coach knows, right? They already know that guy's bad. They're, they've been around him forever. They won't mess with that person. As soon as they see a new official, they will test that new official. It, it's, it's literally, it happens every time. And that new official, if they are not good enough at their job or, or strong enough personality to deal with that kind of aspect, uh, will crumble under that kind of pressure. So what I would tell younger officials is when you get tested, and you will, when you show up and they pick on you and they don't say anything to the people they know, they are testing you. So to pass that test, you have to show a certain level of confidence, not arrogance, confidence. And you have to be able to lead out of that situation. So the one thing the rule book doesn't tell you is it doesn't tell you how to do that. It's an art form, right? 
when you get inside the UMPAP curriculum, we talk about conflict management. When I was coming up in baseball, it was always teach them a lesson, yell louder than they yell, and be more aggressive than they are. That is not the way to do it. The way to do it is to know protocol and know what the rule book protects and what it doesn't. And then you put people at a choice because it's not your job to teach people how to act. So I would I would think back then it was either Tommy Myers or Crooks, who was the head coach. Right. Um, The guy's probably in his 40s, 40, 45, somewhere in there, probably had success at every level he's been at to get to that point, much like you did as an umpire. It's not your job to teach that person how to act. They're a finished product. Your job is to tell them when it's time to stop and what the price of doing business is. And the younger umpires, and I see this all the time at the D1 level, they show up and the coach does something to test them. And they're like, man, I'm really happy to be here. I'd like to come back. I'm not dealing with this. And they let it go. Well, the problem is they are trying to get your attention. And when you ignore it, you will do not allow them to get your attention. So by ignoring it, it only makes it worse. So where if they test you, you know, Sean shows up, he's in the first inning, maybe you have some jitters, maybe you call a pitch that bounces or something, and they start in on you, right? You still have to deal with that and pull everything together to make sure that you make it through that game. But if you don't know protocol and you don't know what you're looking for and when to say something and how to say it, then it's a powder keg and it blows up. But as a younger umpire, just be, or a younger sports official, if it's basketball, soccer, whatever, if you got a postseason assignment, it's because you had a good season. Be who you are that got you there, and and figure the rest out. You know later. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, Tim, I will say this um, as an assigner and supervisor, um, the product of Ump App has made my life so much easier. As you said, it, it has not replaced me. Um, it has actually taken what we try to do locally with our meetings and education and allow umpires to take it to the next level. Correct. So assigner supervisors, those of you who are out there listening to this podcast, uh, as Tim said earlier, this ump app will not replace you, will not replace any education program, any on-field training that you do. It actually takes pressure off of you and enhances of what you do in the classroom, what you do on field. So from a supervisor standpoint, take advantage of it. It's going to do nothing but help you um, keep your umpires, retain your umpires, and have them come back. And, Sean, that's a good point because your roster is a big roster. And you have people who have been working for you for an extended period of time. And they might go, man, I'm older. Like, I really don't want technology, whatever that is. Now, I would challenge you to look at their phone. They They have apps. They, they have apps, even though they don't want, you know, certain change, they have them. But when you talk about young kids and being able to pluck that 15, 16, you know, all the way up to 19 year old kid, whatever that age is, and give them information the way they consume information right now. It's very impactful. It really is. And I would challenge the industry to say the person who fights this and says, I don't want to do it this way. We've never done it that way. They probably have more years behind them than ahead of them. The generations coming in behind them absolutely want it this way. So eventually, if you're a bunch of uh, a roster of a bunch of guys that doesn't want this, it's not going to be like that forever. It's not. Those young kids that are coming in, they don't want to stand around on a field and listen to people give them information that way. That's not the way they consume information. But if you give them the information to get them to the clinic that you have, 
then they already have a foundation. They're already interested. They're already kind of pot committed to the information. It makes it more impactful. But if you just go and say, hey, meet at the field at noon, we're going to talk about umpiring. And that's just not really the way they do it anymore. <laughs> yep. And coaches and fans listening, I can't tell you the, the myths of baseball. Um, and using the product such as UMPAP, if you take the time to read the same rules, to read the same conflict management, um, to read the same philosophies of what umpires are doing, you would be surprised on how much you learn and how much you're going to think back of, oh, man, I made a fool out of myself. I had no idea. I, I that had was that this summer. We had a coach on a rule that the umpires got 100% right. I was standing right by the field. And this coach uh, loses his mind and starts to come out of the dugout. And I kind of yelled from the fence. I was like, hey, he's right. Like, stop. And he kind of let it go. But he, he said some things to where it was embarrassing for him. Um, that was on Saturday. And on Sunday, here they come. They're coming in the park. They're happy. They made the bracket. And I find the, the guy passes me. I said, hey, you got, you got something you want to tell me? And he goes, about what? And I go, about yesterday. And he goes, as a matter of fact, I looked it up. I'm sorry. And I go, hey, that's all I wanted to hear. Because now it'll save you from doing something like that again. Because not only are the umpires watching you, your kids are watching you. And the parents are watching you. And the parents of the other teams are watching you. So, you know, the the visibility that, you know, say a big club has. You know, we have clubs in Kansas City that they, they have close to 100 teams. Well, they're wearing that club's brand and ourselves to them is like, hey, you can't tell me that all these guys know what you need them to know. And half of them are like, I can't even tell you all their names. I'm like, exactly. But they represent your brand. So how about give them a tool that will allow them to represent you in the best case you know, possible? And then you don't have teams leaving and, and your, your club shrinking. You want it to grow. So that's our sales point to them. Excellent. Well, Tim, thank you for taking time out with PSOA today. We encourage all listeners, whether you're a player, coach, fan, assigner, administrator, you know, take a couple seconds, look up ump-app.com, take a look at the material, and if it's something that you feel will make yourself better, more informative, and lead to better sportsmanship in the environment, it's out there for you. Um, Tim, is there a way if somebody wants to contact you directly to get more information, not only on Ump App, but the LMS you were talking about and sort of that manufacturer? What's a good way to reach out to you? Yeah, so my email address is T I M C O R D is in David I L L at ump app.com. So Tim Cordell at umpapp.com. Excellent. Thank you again. Um, Those of you listening, thank you for taking time out with PSOA today. Uh, Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Search for PSOA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And for more information, become a sports official. Visit www.premiersportsofficial.com. If you enjoy the information here, make sure you rate us five out of five. Share the podcast with uh, family, family and friends. And until our next time out, remember... You're only as good as your last call. A Heard at Sports Network production.